And we are live. Welcome back to Staking Mondays, everyone. My name is Ken, and I'm with the co-founder of Staking Rewards, Merkel Schmiedel. And we are delighted to welcome today's guest, Josh Lee, co-founder and builder of Kepler Wallet and Osmosis. Welcome, Josh. Hi. Oh, happy to be here, and thanks for having me. Welcome. Josh has pushed forward IBC development and adoption on Cosmos. So today we're going to talk about Kepler, Osmosis, staking wallets, ecosystem tooling, and what it takes for Cosmos to truly take off. This episode is sponsored by Lido Finance. Lido is the market leading liquid staking solution. And here we go, guys. So breaking right into today's episode. Uh, we're going to start with some quick lightning round questions. So what was your first crypto investment outside of BTC and Ethereum? Oh, that's a great point because my first crypto investment wasn't Bitcoin or Ethereum. Uh, I actually bought, well, I guess I technically did buy Bitcoin to buy this, but the end goal was I bought about $3 or $5 worth of Dogecoin back in 2014. And <laughs> I still have about dollar fifty of it. I think it's about eight or 9,000 Doges. And once Elon started shilling it, um, that dollar fifty got to about forty five hundred bucks. But uh, planning on hodling it till twenty twenty four, which is my ten year anniversary, um, having it. So, <laughs> which wow, is the reason a... why you know my nickname has been Dogecoin because it's Dogecoin and Cosmos put together. And all right, it. yeah, uh, early adopter of Dogecoin. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> really cool. And uh, like, which person inspired you the most during your crypto journey? Um, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, to be honest, I mean, I'm always just very inspired by, you know, my Osmosis co-founders a lot. Uh, obviously I can't, you know, not mention my Kepler co-founder, but it's just like, I've just known him so long. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sonny and Dave are two people that I think, you know, I've learned the most from, uh, very patient, kind and uh, insightful. So they do complement a lot of the uh, stacks that I don't have and, uh, yeah, full of knowledge, full of insight and also great character. So. Awesome, Josh. And let me just read that sponsorship again. Sorry, guys, I was a little out of breath to start us off there. <laughs> so again, uh, we are sponsored today by Lido Finance and Lido is the market leading liquid staking solution. With Lido, you can stake Ethereum, Solana and Terra while keeping full liquidity via staking derivatives. And staking derivatives you can use in multiple DeFi applications to generate some additional yields. We all love Lido, we'll check that out further. And again, Josh, uh, back to the lightning round here. So what is the most inspiring staking wallet outside of Kepler? Um, That's a great point. I do love uh, Stake Wallet. I think they have really good branding. I like the team. Um, and I think they kind of narrowed down exactly what they're looking for, just staking. And I think they've done a you know, phenomenal job of executing. And then obviously, I don't know if this is a staking wallet, but um, also Rainbow Wallet, I think. They know exactly where the wallet space is going and they're eating it by a long mile. Awesome. Yeah, definitely love them too. And how do you stay up to date with crypto news and markets? Do you have a favorite um, newsletter or anything or podcast? Twitter is my newsletter. <laughs> yeah. Twitter, where all the breaking information comes from, definitely. Yeah. Um, and when did you last check your crypto portfolio? Oh, uh, that's a great point because I think I have it split across different wallets, but um, yeah, I'm not the most organized person. So, um, but 
my Osmosis account is kind of like my wallet at this point. So mm. I do check that pretty often because I do work on it sometimes. Uh, but yeah, on a daily cool. basis. Yeah. And uh, which destination are you planning to travel to next? Do you have any plans, any conferences coming up? Or Yeah, I'm going to be in Berkeley for about a week. Uh, I'm actually flying out this Thursday and then I'll be at East Denver. So, uh, if, you know, any of you guys or any, anyone in the audience is going to be in Denver, uh, please, you know, feel free to say hi. Uh, I'd love to hack as well. So if you have ideas, uh, I'd love to join. Very cool. And uh, yeah, we had a, a guest another osmosis guest on here previously and it seems like berkeley's like a good uh lifeline for you guys right for developers and community yeah there's a pretty big like cosmos gang that like <laughs> came out of berkeley which i think is really funny and not everyone started in cosmos but everyone ends up in cosmos so mm -hmm. i think that's the you know most interesting Awesome, Josh. Awesome, Josh. Well, uh, thanks for introducing us there. And so now we're going to dive a little bit deeper into more questions around Kepler, Osmosis, and uh, the whole Cosmos ecosystem. So uh, to start us off here, what inspired you to build the Kepler wallet? And where do you draw inspirations from and motivation from today? Yeah, so uh, the way we started, I think, was mostly, you know, at the time, there were wallets, right? There was uh, Looney, Cosmos Station, uh, both great teams. Um, but one of you know my frustration was like, all right, Cosmos is meant to be a network of application-specific blockchains and special emphasis on the application part. But I felt like at the time the wallet infrastructure was primarily uh, created in the way of just simply um, staking and and you know asset management and things like that. And obviously, staking is a very powerful and crucial part of proof-of-stake uh, application blockchains. But, you know, for blockchains to truly be meaningful at the end of the day, it does have to evolve into applications or else you're just kind of staking for the sake of staking. And it's just this weird circular logic. So we're like, all right, um, you know, we have conviction that this IBC thing is going to work. Cosmos is going to work. And we want to be ahead of the curve by preparing a wallet that's more um, suited to um, yeah, serve applications connecting, you know, where App blockchain uh, application blockchain developers don't have to worry about building this wallet infrastructure. And then for the average user to not have to realize that, oh, I have to learn the CLI to use this application. So we've kind of feel like we're serving both sides of the market uh, or, or both sides of the users, where one side is the people that are developing the blockchains and then on the other side is uh, using the blockchain. All right, that's cool. Yeah, and uh, Kepler is definitely one of the smoothest wallet experiences in, in crypto, I would say. Um, like, do you think that's kind of applicable to other chains as well? Or like, what, what could other wallet developers learn from you in a sense? Like, wh what are these things that they, um, yeah, could, could like, where, where you inspire them, you think? Or like, um, what, what are the things you're doing very right? Yeah, so I think one of the approaches that we think a little bit differently is we always went for a so I, I mentioned that we kind of see two sides of the users and i think at the earlier stage of uh you know crypto and blockchain applications i think the developer side of that is very important so uh, our early efforts kind of went into making sure that kepler would be the easiest and the go-to wallet for anyone that's developing these applications because you know once there is a compelling application the users will kind of come and naturally they'll be drawn to use kepler but it's a bigger problem if you you know have the best like UI, best UX, a most compelling wallet in the world. Yet if you have nothing that you can do with it, uh, you know your your user base is still going to be zero, right? So um, 
I think thinking of wallets is not just serving the end user, but also as an important component in just enabling builders to build better, uh, build more efficiently and save them a lot of time as well. Absolutely. And for everyone watching, feel free to ask questions for Josh in the chat. Uh, we will have a community question section at the end of the episode here. And, and Josh, obviously Kepler is a massive success. You guys have done great at catering through both developers and the end user. Uh, but for, for your team internally, how do you guys actually make money with Kepler? Yeah, so that's been an interesting question and one that we still haven't found the right answer to. But, um, you know, earlier in the days, we were mostly just supported through grants, I think. So the Interchain Foundation, the foundation behind Cosmos has been a big uh, contributor in just us being able to stay alive. Can't forget to mention uh, the grant program ran by Stakefish. Uh, that basically kept the light on for basically the first six months or so when it was just my co-founder and I. Um, and then, you know, now we're experimenting with different models. I know, you know, there are wallets that are running validators. I know there are, I don't think there are anyone that's charging users, but I think right now, uh, I think, yeah, our, our approach has been, so the use of the wallet itself is always permissionless, right? So we're not going to block access from a chain uh, using Kepler, but I think uh, the model that we're starting to kind of explore is, all right, in the world where there is a hundred, you know, or maybe a thousand blockchains, like we can't, you know, natively support all of them. So uh, I think we see ourselves as a way of curating some of these things. And I think being able to monetize and yeah, I don't think we have to be scared to say that we do monetize by, you know, some of these curation methods, because, you know, I think the core development team is obviously one contributor of building that network. And I think making sure that there is a way to monetize the front end developers and the kind of client infrastructure developers is just as important because I think that is also a crucial part of like a blockchain application. Cool. And are you considering at all to launch a token at some point with Kepler? Um, like what could that look like? Because it seems quite natural, right? For Yeah, for, I know, I know a wallet. lot of yeah. wallets have explored that. I personally haven't found a lot of compelling models, to be honest. Um, and until we see that, I don't think we will go that route. But um, yeah, I think a lot of that kind of depends on where the infrastructure is. Uh, obviously, you know, we earlier on worked on this whole thing called interchain accounts, where uh, you can basically have a wallet chain that has remote wallets across the IBC network, and you kind of control just this one thing. But I think timing is crucial. I don't want to have a token just because, you know, for the sake of having a token, I think it does have to mean something. It does have to kind of be useful for some reason. And I don't think we fully found that yet. So I don't think we're going to rush into that decision. Yeah, and I'm sure some of the users for the Kepler wallet would uh, have their ears perk up with just the sound of an airdrop. Uh, but that's for a later date. It seems like you guys are still in the planning phase and seeing if it's even viable. You don't want to just have a token for the sake of having a token. Um, so considering uh, you, you guys only support Cosmos ecosystem uh, chains right now, do you have any plans to ever support any chains outside of the Cosmos ecosystem? Yeah, obviously, I think Ethereum is a big one. Um, we're definitely exploring that. Um, for now, there are good options in Ethereum space. And I think there is a lot more need of a lot of things that we can improve on the Cosmos side. But we've always been wanting to support um, 
Ethereum from the day one we launched. We just haven't been able to do the lack of resources. But once the time is right, we'd love to kind of, um, yeah, get there. Cool. Uh, how do you actually um, decide like which Cosmos assets do you do you list? Like which Cosmos SDK? Like do you just support not all of them, right? But like, what are the criteria um, to support like a Cosmos SDK chain? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you know, a lot of it just kind of does end up on the kind of the gut feeling when there's nothing starting. Uh, obviously, you know, the team and their track record is very important. Uh, and then, you know, what kind of usage that they have one of the difficult parties you know when you're adding a chain when it hasn't launched yet i think the decision there can be a lot more subjective uh but you know if it's a chain that already has a mainnet has users then we evaluate how active are these users um if they are building on applications are people just you know using it for speculation or is there actual activity on the application itself as well as right now, we're kind of optimized for the Cosmos SDK stack. But once it diverges too much, it becomes a pretty huge effort to support this divergence from the Cosmos SDK. So we do encourage the ones that are kind of using upstreaming code, um, and yeah, being part of the actual ecosystem rather than a chain that you know has built off of the Cosmos SDK. That's cool. Yeah, I would actually love, look forward a lot to like see Ethereum in, in Kepler wallets and. So when I, when I look in the Ethereum ecosystem, it's like probably what contributed the most to the success of Ethereum is like MetaMask and Etherscan, I think. Like they are very, very good. Um, and if you compare like Kepler to MetaMask, like how, how far or like how would you compare them both in terms of effectiveness or like what would it need for, for you to really be able to like to get to the same level as like a MetaMask, for example? Um, yeah. And, yeah. And I guess I, I left this one out when you guys asked me that lightning round of questions, but one of the persons that I respect the most in the space is Dan Finley, uh, the founder of MetaMask. And yeah, I mean, Meta, the one of the ideas that I think we share, I haven't talked to him personally about this, so maybe he doesn't agree with me, but um, yeah, I think he always approached this from a kind of dev first, enabled the web app uh, developers that are using Ethereum to not have to worry about how is this web app going to interact with the user. And that philosophy is um, kind of shared across how we think of our product and how MetaMask thinks of the product. But ultimately, I think it does depend on the ecosystem. The success of MetaMask isn't because, you know, MetaMask is the best wallet. Although I think, you know, their technical contributions are second to none in this space. But uh, it's always been, you know, the rise of DeFi, the rise of NFTs, and the rise of on-chain applications that users can use that basically enables MetaMask to grow. And for us as well, I think it, we, we think of it always as a symbiotic relationship where we kind of solve a problem that the chain developers don't have to you know, worry about anymore. And then, but then at the same time, we benefit when they're able to focus on building their applications better because that in turn kind of becomes our users that we can kind of leverage and in the future, hopefully be able to kind of, whether that's a token or an application, uh, monetize in some way, or just give back to the community. Yeah, and it really is a, a symbiotic relationship there. Um, so in your opinion, what needs to happen in the Cosmos ecosystem in order to seriously take significant market share of Ethereum and Bitcoin, uh, which upcoming improvements, features, or other releases are you really looking forward to? 
and it doesn't need to be just from the osmosis or Kepler ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the interesting things about Cosmos is, you know, just in the DeFi primitives, we we have a solid AMM, which is called Osmosis, but uh, I think there's a lot of other DeFi primitives that are rather unexplored. So, you know, new emergence of uh, new primitives will be crucial. We also have a variety of smart contracts. We already have Secret Network. We have Juno with um, Cosmwasm alongside a, a lot of other chains. And I guess Osmosis is also leveraging Cosmwasm as part of the stack. And there's, you know, Evmos with Ethermint. So um, I think the, the bigger problem that I personally see that we need to resolve is in a heterogeneous, diverse, multi-chain ecosystem, how do we standardize a few things to make sure that, you know, the user interactions don't feel like you're interacting with a hundred blockchains, but one ecosystem. So how can we focus on less on the multi-chain part and more on the inter-chain part? So um, kind of standardizing a lot of that, I think the notion of a multi-chain inter-chain ecosystem breaks a lot of conventions that we had in the crypto, crypto ecosystem, things like address derivation, um, standardization of, you know, with like ledger apps. And I, I talk about this a lot and like IBC UX, uh, naming and things like that. And, um, so a lot of these things are, you know, solved by social efforts rather than just a technical one, but I think it's one worth, uh, spending a lot of effort in and hopefully be able to, uh, resolve without, you know, spending too much time that it hinders innovation, but kind of striking a good balance between Cool. So do you truly think like the, um, like in the interchain, like it will kind of be the, uh, the go-to opposed to like the multi-chain and like how, um, how would that look like? Can, can Cosmos like absorb the multi-chain or like, can it absorb Bitcoin and Ethereum? Yeah. So I think one of the differences with the interchain is, you know, it's like, it's in the name, right? Cosmos is expanding. Like I think. I see Cosmos ecosystem as more of a universe that expands the pie rather than a black hole that absorbs another planet. So our focus has always been, you know, how can we, ex you know, accelerate the speed that the Cosmos is expanding at, right? And well, that's one of the, you know, it's like composability is a key thing in crypto. And, um, and, and you know, the beautiful part about that is like one plus one is not two. It's like one plus one is three when you have two different primitives or three different primitives, you can actually come up with more than three different applications because you can mix and match a lot of these things. You can have different takes on things like that. And uh, the more, you know, applications that you have, the more der uh, derivative applications you can create out of it. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the interchain where you do have some sovereignty. You do have, you know, you, you are able to maximize uh, your blockchain and your application, but it also means that anyone else is able to permissionlessly leverage the application that you have to create something else. And um, yeah, and, and in, in that way, I think, you know, Bitcoin is going to be a solid form of store of value for many, many more years to come. I think Ethereum is obviously the home ground for innovation, uh, but at the same time for, for day-to-day -day type of uses, I know people are saying rollups are the future, but I think there are a lot of different ways you can solve scalability. And I think a lot of people are going to realize that Cosmos is a pretty compelling product, uh, as well as now a very compelling ecosystem. Uh, whereas, you know, maybe two years ago, it was too immature. The tech wasn't ready. So yeah, really looking forward to this.
Yeah, and it almost does feel like we've hit a turning point with the tech uh, becoming more uh, applicable to the utilities that they've aimed to service from the get-go. Um, mm-hmm. So what is the biggest pain point for the Cosmos ecosystem and how do you solve it? I know you kind of already mentioned having in a multi-chain world feel more united as one ecosystem as being a possible pain point. But I wonder if you could just expand on any other pain points in the ecosystem and how we would achieve. Yeah, uh, I think... I think this is more in the background. It's things that we're hoping that the user never notices, but um, infra is a very big issue, a big problem that we're hoping to solve and be better at moving forward. The nice thing about uh, one blockchain is you just have to have one endpoint, one server kind of thing um, to be able to access the blockchain. In the world of 100 blockchains, you need 100 of these. And that's one of those things that don't scale as well as IBC or Cosmos SDK does. So that's been one of the things that we've been having a very hard time kind of trying to brainstorm how can we do this better um, and things like that. I think from the user side, uh, as you know, as much of a technological leap IBC is relative to a lot of other interoperability protocols, uh, it is still very early. And for someone who's just been very used to a one-chain ecosystem, uh, the notion of like transferring IBC to different blockchains, doing two different things, it is still very confusing. And uh, obviously a wallet's gonna be a big part of it, but uh, the, the really important part that the wallet enables is that we allow web apps to abstract a lot of these things and for the users to interact with these web apps uh, through the use of a wallet. So. Um, I think there's kind of a two-sided approach there. All right, cool. And like t- talking a little bit about staking, so uh, Osmosis has like a, a pretty high staking APR, um, and many other Cosmos chains have like a pretty high staking APR as well. Um, do you think that's because like they all have to attract like their own validator set, or um, like why do you think others outside of Cosmos ecosystem don't have such like high staking APR for like single-sided staking kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously you guys know this, but you know, high staking APRs doesn't mean you just get more free money. It's just like a different form of dilution. Right. And, um, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I can speak to other ecosystem, but I think I can speak briefly about what Osmosis thought was, you know, we started the, you know, like, we didn't have a public sale. We basically just like airdrop tokens to the atom holders. And the reason why there was a high inflation uh, early on was basically, you know, when you're airdropping, you just don't know who you're going to give this to. Obviously, we were able to kind of narrow it down to a set of atoms and then bonus for people who are staking. But that's kind of the starting point. But um, as the ecosystem grows, the point of the airdrop is if you don't believe in the future of this chain, that and, you know, if you don't think this is going to be successful, you can sell and leave, right? And there's no harm done there. Uh, if you like it, you stake it, you LP it, and you earn incentives. And what we wanted to do is basically start off with the you know basic atom and uh, atom holders and the atom stakers, and then evolve into a token distribution form where people who really kind of you know double down on osmosis, whether in the form of staking or osmosis, does get a big share of um, kind of you know what they like doing exactly what they believe in, right? And um, it's just, you know, staking rewards are just a way to modify the distribution and uh, rewarding the stakers uh, is a big part of that. Because if you don't like it, you can sell it and leave. If you like it, you stake and you, and the high APR means that you own a bigger percent of the pie 
whereas you know at the genesis where, where it was just the airdrop you wouldn't be able to do that so obviously that's going to wean off every year um, and our goal is that the osmosis application just kind of grows to the point where you know we are able to uh, have good amount of rewards for the stakers but starting off i think bootstrapping uh, and making sure you reward the early backers uh, which in our case was just the airdrop recipients or people who bought osmosis on the decks i guess so yeah, and that's one thing that personally gets me super excited about the Cosmos ecosystem is um, all these projects airdropping stakers of the Atom, their tokens, and launching their projects and, and bootstrapping that way. I think it's an extremely valuable experience for someone who's been with the ecosystem from the beginning. I wonder if anyone in the chat has experienced some of these airdrops recently or even the Osmosis airdrop and could tell us a little bit about their experience. That would be cool to see some commentary around that. Mm -hmm. um, Josh, but what do you think about uh, the staking landscape in general? How would it look like in two to three years time? Will people be still managing their own accounts? Or do you think that they'll primarily outsource decision making, like which validator to choose to maybe a custodial service or even <laughs> maybe a staking pool? Yeah. So I think, to be honest, I, I would like, I think I see the lack of diversification in staking more of a UX issue rather than a fundamental like proof of stake issue. And obviously the way that we're trying to approach it is right now, you know, we need to do a better job at this too, but you're faced with a list of validators. And, you know, when you're a newcomer to the ecosystem, first of all, you don't know who all these 100 people are and you don't know what they do. So uh, I think the end state is for the users to be like, all right, here are the things that I like. Uh, can you match me with a set of validators that do these things? And you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can approach that. And um, alongside that, I think the end goal of wallets are to become more of a social application than a financial application that it looks like right now. And by encouraging more of a um, relational uh, communication between validators and delegators and more communications amongst the, you know, a, a delegator community, I think is a good way to kind of foster, all right, more thesis-driven validators can come out of this. And you're, you know, your biggest selling point is no longer the commission, but maybe the contributions that you make to the ecosystem, uh, maybe you know, the help that you offer to the community, or maybe the cool stuff that you're going to be building in the next two years. Uh, right now, there's a pretty big wall that both validators have to cross to get to the users, and then the users have to cross to get to the validators. Uh, and I think it's the role of the wallets to kind of connect a lot of these different pieces together and uh, provide a central point of coordination and visibility for everyone. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and yeah, I, I guess the issue is like, it's very hard to quantify a lot of these stuff, like ecosystem yeah. contributions and, and so on. Exactly. Um, yeah, which, which makes it hard for like, like an objective ranking or anything alike, but we, we yeah. see like something like uh, Grandfish, you mentioned they funded you like six months in the beginning of, of Kepler, which is amazing. Um, and there's so much power in it, I think. Um, yeah, so, and like on the other side, we also think like for, so you mentioned like, it's just a UX issue, um, not like a fundamental issue. Do you think it's the same for, for governance decisions as well? Like on a base level, like, uh, almost basis democracy-like governance decisions? Like, um, do you think that's the, the way to go for, for everyone? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to get a lot of heat for saying this. But first of all, I think uh, 
I don't think wallets are made to be 100% neutral in how they organize information. Now, I think um, you shouldn't block someone from being able to use it. So like, you know, we have, we have this like permissionless, like add your chain to Kepler thing. That's always going to be permissionless. Now within, you know, our applications, how we organize validators, whether our metric is, you know, fully open or not, I think there are, I, I would love to see more opinionated takes on these like validator groups and their contributions and things like that, rather than to be too scared to experiment that you just don't do it at all. So that's kind of that first point. And then, um, what was that second part? I, I keep sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the second part was, was about governance decisions, but yeah, oh, I, governance. I, really, like I, I just want to add, like we we definitely at Stackmores uh, want to play a role there as well, and I I think yeah. that we can help people a lot in like making these informed decisions on like okay, like which validators do really add value to these networks. Um, yeah, and exactly, and it's like different from ecosystem to ecosystem, right? And. Uh, and I think it is good to, you know, incentivize people that you feel like is adding a lot of value. Um, and then on the governance part, I personally also think that validators aren't the best set of people to be making governance decisions. Uh, not because I hate validators. I love validators. But uh, just the fact that because you're good at running infra and um, being part of the consensus, uh, it doesn't mean that you are someone who's interested or even good at making decisions on like for osmosis, for example, like how incentives should work or how it should be calculated and things like that. And then at the same time, you know, if, if, if you're a very good financial engineer or if you are a very good, you know, community builder, uh, I think it's unfair to say that um, you need to know how to run a validator for you to have any power in this chain. So I think in the longer term, I think I see these things two things being separated and having their own incentive scheme, then uh, I think right now we just kind of bundled into one thing just because it's technically easier, but I'd love to see more uh, diversification. And, and I think that's going to be good because the validators can be more specialized in security, running good infrastructure, uh, you know, making sure the chain is running more efficiently uh, and things like that. And then, you know, the governance part can kind of be delegated to a set of, you know, maybe either whether that's a direct democracy or set of delegated democracy uh, that you know that's able to run a lot faster rather than you know everything kind of being tangled and being a roadblock for each other. So if you say like validators are not a good group to to make decisions, like do you have any like ecosystem stakeholder group in mind where you think okay like they would be like primed to make governance decisions because they're they're really into it or like is it dev developers or. Um, I don't know, core, core development team, like who, who should be that group to make the decisions? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I don't think I'm not saying all validators are bad at governance. I think some validators just would rather not do governance if they didn't have to. Uh, but, you know, within this governance council, I think validators should be able to opt in and join and be a part of that you know, decision-making process. But, you know, I think that developers are important. Uh, I think we should kind of still have this liquid uh, democracy option that we have in Cosmos where you are able to delegate most of your decisions, but if you would like to overwrite, you always have the option to. Uh, and then, you know, we've seen amazing people, I guess for Osmosis one, um, because I'm more familiar with it, we have people like uh, Robo, who is a community like a mod, who's answering a lot of these questions, and he has the most insight of, you know, what, do, what issues do users run into? And then we also have people uh, like Nostradamus. Uh, I don't even know his real name and it doesn't matter because he's so good at bringing up proposals, uh, making sure 
governance feedback is there and then uh, modifying ratifying these proposals to make it better uh, and you know and, and i love these you know i think some of these people are running validators but i'd love more of these active contributors in forums and reddit uh, and discourse to also be able to have an on-chain power uh, to kind of drive the direction of the osmosis rather than that just being in the hands of uh, infrastructure and consensus providers yeah, and it seems like even in the chat here, we have some uh, people that are agreeing with your your logic there that there could be some separation between the validators and uh, some governance council that makes decisions on, you know, uh, inflation stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, getting back more into recently launched projects, um, which recently launched or still to be launched project launching on Cosmos SDK are you most looking forward to, and which ones are you most impressed by? We've seen some recently. Uh, awarding airdrops to stakers of Cosmos, Juno, uh, any other, I guess, projects that would be airdropping as well that you want to point out? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, um, yeah, Juno's been, the ju growth of Juno has been tremendous. So that's been crazy. I like Stargaze a lot just because I've been a fan of Shane, uh, who's the founder of Stargaze. And yeah, and he's, he's been a Cosmos OG. Evmos is also great. I think it's one of those new primitives that are uh, that's going to pop up in Cosmos. Um, Axelar is also uh, opening up bridges to Dogecoin. Uh, I, I always meme it like that. Obviously, it's a lot more than Dogecoin bridge, but uh, that's one part I'm very excited about. And at this point, you know, I'm just so happy that I can keep track of the new things that are going to be happening in Cosmos, just because there's so many happening. There's Quicksilver liquid staking as well. Um, there's like multiples of liquid staking solutions that are coming. Um, so yeah, I can keep track of it. And that's a very great place to be in when you're building wallets. So yeah. Cool. And uh, maybe you can uh, give a little bit of like outlook, like what's coming next for Kepler wallets and like, do you have a rough roadmap and anything people can look forward to? I, I saw yeah. one question in the chat as well, um, like, uh, interchain accounts, which includes account abstraction as well. Yeah. Is coming? Yeah. Um, I think interchain accounts is an interesting play. I'm not sure if that's a 2022 thing yet. Um, it is coming in 2022, but I think it will require a little bit more time for that to be deployed across chains. Um, in a bigger kind of oversight of this. I, I think interchange accounts is a part of a longer term roadmap, but not an immediate one. Um, the thing that I'm thinking the most about lately is um, I think wallets are becoming social. Uh, I think it's going to be a convergence of on-chain communities and wallets of, you know, 2020 and 2019 were an asset management system. Now there is meaning behind your uh, on-chain account. Uh, more than the place that has your tokens. And I would like to see Kepler kind of be able to leverage uh, the amount of users that we have, the amount of chains that we're able to support and uh, create more of a social layer uh, that's part of uh, the wallet. So, yeah. So, so, so what would be like social features of the wallet? Like maybe you can be more specific on that. Like. How, how would that look like? Can like people chat with each other or like upload pictures to their to their wallets or like, yeah. Um, I think it's gonna be a mix of a lot of these things, and I wouldn't even say that you know everything is going to be in the in the extension. 
but um so i don't know if i could like drop too many things but <laughs> yeah i think um being providing more uis that highlight your on-chain achievements so maybe you were an airdrop recipient of osmosis and you'd only like to talk to these people maybe we can create a group for that um and maybe your voting record can be shown as a profile rather than a block explorer uh and you know the etherscan team re recently released a block scans chat feature where it's kind of this like chat api and that solves the issue where if i want to negotiate you know a price of an nft that's on OpenSea, i can basically talk to them uh and i think the right place for that to happen is a wallet um and yeah and i think DAOs, I, I don't like the term DAOs because it feels too serious and like investment-y, but uh, I think on-chain social communities are going to be a big thing uh, that's coming up. And I think the wallets are, I think wallets are the right place to start that. So. Definitely looking forward to that. I can only imagine, you know, the exclusivity behind having contacts that only uh, were airdropped the Osmosis token in the beginning and having those contacts in a social group uh, could be very valuable for even launching another community, for instance. Yeah. Um, okay, so getting into, it's not investment advice we're trying to draw out of you here. So uh, just to the best of your knowledge, could you answer this for us? So what are the best yield opportunities currently in the Cosmos ecosystem right now, to the best of your knowledge? Um, Surprisingly enough, I think staking has paid off really well. So I think everyone's like, oh, Adam has no value cruel mechanism, um, but it's like very interchangey where the value is like it value accrues to you and your wallet but in the form of many different tokens so <laughs> uh, surprisingly enough, i think staking has been one of the best yield opportunities i think a lot of just like buying a token tends to have a lot more risk lp definitely has uh you know il and you know staking is not that bad right now i think yeah. All right, we can run with that. We'll we'll try staking some Adam out for size and see uh, what comes of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so yeah, we can move forward to the community questions. Uh, keep it coming, guys. Um, we have a few here already. Let's start with from uh, Justin Callas. Um, thoughts on expanding Kepler Mobile to include a browser for users connect to different applications of their choice. So um yeah the question is like are you planning on like uh combining Kepler with like any kind of browser or like do making it a browser itself kind mm -hmm. of yeah so this is one of those things where the innovations of web3 are hindered by the regulations of web2 uh i believe the ios app store doesn't let you do this um, android there is no issue with doing this so we haven't been able to do that right now um that being said the approach that we're taking right now is uh, being uh, integrating Wallet Connect a lot better. We are still using a kind of hacky version of Wallet Connect 1.0. Wallet Connect 2.0 is a lot more natively interchained. So we are in the process of moving to that uh, and also kind of having a Cosmos wallet model that you have in Ethereum where you know it's like you can select MetaMask or Taurus or Wallet Connect and things like that. So I think that would be the realistic approach unless Tim Cook is like, yeah, Web3 is the future. We're going to let all this happen on our uh, iOS platform. <laughs> so, yeah. 
we can only hope, right? <laughs> um, next question up here is from RB. And question is, why are there only three chains, Atom, Osmo, and Secret, listed on the dashboard on Kepler desktop view? Maybe yeah. just curation? Yeah, so this is in the process of just being completely redone. Uh, the reason why it's like that right now is because those were the, you know, the three kind of biggest chains that we have uh, in terms of user. Uh, but I think I do understand that, you know, right now that's a big pain point. So we're in the process of just like redoing the entire dashboard. It's going to be a lot more interactive, more personalized. And this is one of those cases where the growth of the ecosystem uh, outpaced the amount of development work we were able to handle. So the web app side of that has been a little bit left behind, uh, but we're fully aware of that. And we're going to be making some changes to make that a lot more personable, uh, approachable, and, you know, also be able to show what governance proposals you're able to vote on. Um, maybe you're maybe you're part of a DAO or something and you have something to act on now. Uh, so yeah, kind of just being able to do a lot more things, keep track of a lot more assets uh, within that homepage. Cool, cool. And like, um, same question from or like uh, same person R R B um, asking: Will auto claiming, auto compounding become a feature in the near future, or is the human claiming a need currently? Yeah, so human claiming is a need currently, uh, mostly because we don't want to be in custody of your keys, right? Uh, anytime you're claiming a reward and you know asking staking that again, that is a transaction, and even you know from a blockchain's perspective send a million dollars to someone and right now uh, claim this reward and restake it again is still a transaction that does require keys obviously there's been a lot of improvements in uh, causal sdk called auth where you're able to permission specific messages so maybe this key is only able to claim your reward and maybe it's only able to stake but uh, we still don't think we want to be in custody of even those keys yet but I think the best approach here to would be, you know, I think a lot more uh, smart contract platforms are going to be uh, launching or be integrated part of Cosmos SDK chains. And I think the right way to solve this is on-chain where you have an auto-staking smart contract, for example, rather than having, you know, giving your wallet your private key and have them auto-stake uh, every once in a while or something. Okay, good insights there, and maybe another product coming down the pipeline um, in the form of a smart contract there. Next up, we have uh, Chandan K. Uh, can we say feature request here? Can we have a deposit withdrawal history checking feature in Kepler without going to mint scan every time? Yeah, so this has been one of those things that we have sort of deprioritized to prioritize our like extension and make sure we support the host of new chains and, and things that are happening there. Uh, but yeah, this this is in progress. Uh, it's taking a little bit longer than we expected. But yeah, uh, it's in progress and we are definitely planning on adding this feature. Cool. And um, Michael Jordan asking, uh, when can we send UST and Kepler? Yeah, I guess that's one alpha that we can drop. Uh, it is official that we are going to be integrating the Terra blockchain into Kepler. So um yeah soon i can't give you a date but it is coming you'll be able to at least in theory interact with all terra apps using kepler uh, there has to be a lot more kind of development that has to happen because terra uses terra js 
and they have a completely separate fee mechanism, which is why the UST transfers don't work right now. But yeah, that's in the roadmap and that's in a very near term roadmap to support um, Terra with Intemplar. So that's amazing. Um, re really looking forward to this. Um, and great, great news. Um, yeah. Good question there, Michael Jordan. And uh, next up, we have uh, Said Mudasir. Uh, just wondering if it's possible to add 2FA verification like Authy to Kepler app. Mm -hmm. So I don't think a decentralized service is able to do 2FA. Maybe there is. I haven't been able to find one. So if anyone knows how to do that, uh, please let me know. But yeah, I mean, from a we're kind of like a very purist, non-custodial wallet where we don't really have any information on you. Um, so, you know, it's not like we can block you. If you have your private key and you'd like to send a transaction, we're not going to block you from sending it because there's so many different ways you can do that. Um, but I think the exploration to increase security in wallets could be done with uh, more things like social recoveries. I think smart contract wallets was the right direction. It was just far too expensive to use on Ethereum, but with, you know, with interchain accounts, with groups modules, with being able to authorize a small part of your messages and things like that. Um, I think we're going to see smart contracts, wallets becoming more like a code, a set of code, a uh, smart contract rather than the dumb private key, public key, key pair that we have right now. So, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Um, and then uh, last question from Dude Guy, um, and I, I think that's a great last question. Like, what's the long-term vision for Kepler? Yeah, um, I personally don't think the future of wallets is in being a browser extension. Um, I think browser extensions have done a great job of bootstrapping the idea of wallets. But uh, unfortunately, even though all of our users are mostly in the extension, the long-term vision is for us to never have to use a browser extension again, maybe apart from just signing messages. I think wallets are going to become web apps and smart contracts and just, you know, actual like native applications in your phone um, and things like that. And, you know, like I mentioned, I think wallets are becoming social and I would like to see Kepler lead the charge on that uh, in the world of the interchain. Very good. And thank you so much for all the insights here today, Josh. I think you did a great job of answering our questions and the community questions. Undoubtedly, Cosmos and Osmosis and Kepler, the hottest staking ecosystem in the market right now. I could, I could say that uh, with confidence. So thank you again. And can you tell us uh, where people can go to follow you or learn more about the stuff you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can find me mostly active on Twitter. So it's just uh, twitter.com at dogemos and then yeah feel free to check out kepler uh, it's kepler.app it's our website and give us a follow uh, on kepler wall at kepler wallet on twitter so yeah thank you and everyone be, please be sure to check out previous episodes of staking mondays on youtube and also available on spotify you can subscribe to our youtube channel and be sure to like this video and share it around to your friends as always guys happy staking and take care Thanks. Okay. Happy staking.